Welcome back to the 18th Century Podcast. I'm your host, CJ. Today's episode is another unscripted episode, so I'm going completely off the cuff on this. And I have no idea when I will have the transcript out, because this is the one thing I am poor at, I would say, is getting transcripts out. So my apologies for that. But anyways, uh, if you've been paying attention to uh, TV land and all that, uh, History Channel recently came out with a mini-series or a mini-documentary series on George Washington, and that will be the focus of today's episode. Which is kind of surprising that History Channel came out with something on George Washington, given the fact that, or just anything in history in general anymore, because History Channel hasn't really done anything historical for a long time. It's just all, you know, aliens and pickers and that sort of thing, which some historical art you could maybe argue in some ways if you squint your eyes and standing a hundred yards away maybe you could see something historical in some of their more modern stuff but it is more of a return to form anyways i'll be going over uh some of the episode well the three episodes today and i'm kind of excited to talk about it so i'll be talking about some ups and downs in the episodes and giving my thoughts on them So let's get right into it. Alright, so I think a good place to begin with this episode is starting with episode one of the three-part series, and I'll do each section separately from memory. And uh, this series premiered this past week as of recording. So uh, episode one was titled Loyal Subject, and it was uh, first aired on February 16th, 2020. I'm on History.com's website, and I'm just going to read their description for the episode to give you some background. A young George Washington hungers for fame and prestige as an officer in British military, in the British military, sent by the British royal governor to deliver an ultimatum to the French in the West. The inexperienced young Washington learns a hard lesson about leadership when his failures in the field... In advance, oh, I'm getting tongue twisted. Uh, eventually, kick off a world war. Washington emerges from this conflict as America's first folk hero. Just as he begins to grow uh, disenchanted with the empire he once aspired to serve, and a wealthy new wife at his side, and a lucrative business. You know, at Mount Vernon, Washington has put himself at the center of his country's story, chosen to lead the coming, re- chosen to lead the coming revolution. Now, this first episode was decent, and from the small amount of promotional material that I watched on this series, it looked like he was putting emphasis on his military record. But I also thought it would go in, you know, just a general overview of his entire life. Um, the first episode starts with the uh, the uh, French and Indian War, or if you're from Europe, it would be called the Seven Years' War. And I was a little surprised. I mean, I understand from, you know, a storytelling element that you want to show, you know, like a, some of the war imagery first or something, you know, just because it's like, oh, grab your attention. But I thought they would put a little more time, especially since these episodes are about 
two hours long. How, what's the runtime on this? An hour, 24 minutes, and 22 seconds. It was two hours live with ads. Uh, I thought they'd put a little more emphasis on his childhood, given the, I mean, they do a general, they spend like five minutes on his childhood in total, I think. Um, they don't really go over the impact his brother Lawrence had on his life, which is a little surprising because his brother did have a major impact on George's life. Uh, they did mention that his dad did die when George was young and he didn't get the education that his brothers had, uh, which was good. Um, his relationship with his mother, I think, could have been... They could have said a little more with on that than they did in the series, but they did talk about his um, experience with, uh, I believe, slavery in his youth and uh, tobacco plant, uh, tobacco farming or to hit the uh, tobacco plantations. Being a uh, member of the, uh, um, I'm getting tongue twisted. My apologies of the uh, Virginia aristocracy during the time period. That is what I'm wanting to say. So I, I think they could have done a little better, granted, but it was okay. Uh, the acting, well, going, then they skip ahead toward to uh, the beginning of the conflict of the French and Indian War. And how was that? presented uh they did not film on location i can I'd probably say to that because i'm gonna just look up a picture of the location quick where the uh war kicked off where george washington fired upon french emissaries 18th oh, french and indian war george washington and you're gonna be called the ambush. Not for necessity. I think it was in a valley when it happened I'm just skimming on the Wikipedia page uh, sorry for the silence Uh, talks about some of his stuff with the Native Americans, which they handled okay. I think it could have been a little better, but Yeah, the Half King. They did talk about the Half King a little bit, which was interesting.
Yeah, the Battle of I want to see a picture of the location. Yes, I was right. They did not film on location. I've seen pictures of this before. They made it look like it was almost an open field, which... The way the rock formations and how dense this forest... I... No... Yeah, no, they they got that wrong. The uh, setting for the uh, first engagement of the French and Indian War is uh, incorrect, which I don't understand why they couldn't film on location, giving, given uh, probably how big their budget would be, you know. I think they could afford to rent out the place for like a day, maybe two, if they really needed to. Uh I think they handled this episode the best, though, out of all of the episodes. Um, I think it was also this one where, yeah, they uh, go into his meeting with Martha, well, his uh, future wife, Martha, or his wife, Martha. They uh, address her a bit in the first episode, which was handled, I believe, pretty well from my knowledge on Martha. Uh, the two of them did get along, and it was kind of a beneficial relationship for the both of them. And they did address the fact that he was tall, and he was considered a very good dancer, which was an interesting tidbit that they did not have to put in, but I was kind of happy, you know, it's like one of those small little facts of history that's like, oh, you know, that's kind of neat. little trivia thing that George Washington was considered a very good dancer for the time period. Uh, during his time, uh, the uh, most popular dances for the time, Washington was a good dancer. So they did a scene, they kind of made it look like they're in the center of the room, center of attention, and everyone claps for them. I don't think that would have happened, it was just more of, they'd probably get a couple glances like, oh, they're good. But I understand what they were doing with that. And I th think they showed... Yeah, Mount Vernon in this episode, and uh, the outside of Mount Vernon and the back look correct. Like, they filmed part of it, or maybe they were using old footage from a previous documentary, because I've been to Mount Vernon twice now, uh, once in 2018 and once in 2019 I've been to Mount Vernon. And if you ever get a chance to go, sorry, a little tangent, if you ever get a chance to go to Mount Vernon, I'd really suggest going. It's a really incredible place. And there, there's just so much history there. But anyways, uh, the interior, though, of his actual home, uh, from memory, because we weren't allowed to take pictures, so I can't look back on it, but from memory, it does not look correct. It's a little more... It looks bigger than it. It looks bigger on the TV than it was in real life. And it is a decently sized structure, especially for the time period. But the show makes it look a little bigger than it actually is. And I believe the uh, rooms were painted different colors because different paints were expensive. And if you could do multiple colors, it just kind of showed status of wealth. 
and they kind of kept them the same i think it was kind of like a it was something bright i think it was kind of like a white for most of it if i remember correctly which and they could have handled some of that better than they actually did throughout the entire series but i can understand if they weren't able to rent out mount vernon the actual place or if they weren't approved to because of the amount of people that go in and out of there but i don't understand why they couldn't reconstruct it on a set I don't think it would be too hard or too expensive given that, you know, History Channel and the budgets they could probably produce. So I don't understand why they changed some of it. And if I remember correctly, going, yeah, they ended the first episode going into the Continental Congress where George Washington is selected as uh, Commander-in-Chief of the Continentals. And this is before uh, the Declaration of Independence was uh, proclaimed, or sent off, or proposed, or whatnot. But it was in 1775 that uh, Washington was made Commander-in-Chief, or General, of the Continental Forces. And... They handled that pretty well. George Washington did show up in uh, his military uniform to the Continental meetings. Uh, I was glad that they showed that. And what else could I say about the Continental meetings? Hmm. It's like I said, I the uh, last two episodes are in my memory a little more because focuses more on the revolution and his time as president um there was one thing i did want to say yeah the constant yeah the continental congress washington appointed general oh and uh they sent him off to uh, around new york i believe and that was the end of episode one where the army is in disarray so that was around the end of episode one sorry for my pauses i'm just trying to recall everything from the episode oh my gosh we're already 15 minutes in so i'm going to take a little break here and when we get back we're going to continue with episode two and episode three so don't go anywhere we'll be right back Welcome back from the break. I'll try and not take as many pauses in the second half of the show as I did in the first half, so my apologies there. Alrighty, let's get into episode two of the show Washington from the History Channel, which premiered on February 17th, 2020, and it was about an hour, 23 minutes, and one second long. So from history.com, here is the uh, synopsis for the episode. The British are no longer coming, they're here. Uh, I'm going to take a brief pause there, because, well, I I could hear, if you watch the YouTuber Brandon F., I could just hear him getting mad over this, or, you know, just like, oh, no, 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 no. 
out. Just kind of. Because for the most part, a lot of the colonists regarded themselves as British. And till the Declaration of Independence, and even then, about a third of Americans still regarded themselves as British. So the statement is debatable depending on where they're beginning. If they're saying pre-revel or uh, pre-declaration of independence, sure, but more a better term would be regulars. But I understand what they're going for narratively with this opening sentence. So, anyways, uh, back to it. The British are no longer coming; they're here. And as the American colonies make their final break uh, from the British Empire. Their newly minted commander-in-chief, George Washington, realizes he's been handed a nearly impossible task fighting the most powerful and seasoned armed force uh, forces in the world with a ragtag group of soldiers that is undisciplined, uh, inexperienced, and underfunded with no formal military training or major victory. In his name, Washington sets the course for achieving the unimaginable through a cunning and ingenuity and sheer force of will and he is transformed in the process from a man driven by personal ambition and animus for, uh, for the British to a man called to lead a cause far larger the cause of liberty so I think a good place to start is why Washington was even I, w- I do want to address uh, this is one of the things I forgot why Washington was at the Continental Congress he was sort of expected for a man of his status to attend but at the same time he wanted to attend for economic reasons he wasn't agreeing completely with uh, the uh, parliament's taxes at the time and he thought originally the continental congress was just going to like organize boycott he wasn't entirely expecting them going full-on independence at first but once they did he's like okay it's my duty i'm gonna go in and do what i can they do show the disarray of the army pretty well early on in the war in the war but if i remember correctly they're showing standardized uh, uniforms a little earlier than I think they would have been around. Though, um, yeah, they're they're a little early, I think, on the uniforms. Uh, I could be wrong here, because like I said, I'm not a historian and I'm learning this with you, but if memory serves me correctly, They're a little early on showing the uniform, so that is a historical inaccuracy. What I do like is that they take their time more with New York and showing what happened in New York, though setting and was he in this building or that building? Okay, yeah, I I like that. Uh, They're showing it even if it might not be 100% historically accurate. And he's meeting with other generals and uh, colonels, like, I believe they said Colonel Knox. And I was a little surprised that they're showing him, because typically in movies and such, you don't see that. And I was also surprised to hear them talk uh, briefly about General Green, which General Green is an interesting fellow himself. Which I'm surprised there is not a documentary. Sorry for a tangent. But anyways, uh, they show him holding like war councils and early interactions when the... I'm just going to refer as the British. When the uh, British do come. Uh, and it was under General... 
I got his name on the tip of my tongue too. Who is the British general? Independence, British. General Howe, I believe, was in charge at the time. That sounds correct. Yep. I'm going... Yeah, I believe it was General Howe. And they do show him being standoffish a bit. Like, I want to... Well, I do want to teach, his idea was, like, I want to teach them a lesson, but at the same time, I don't want to hurt them too badly because we're, you know, once we put down this little rebellion, we're going to, you know, need them still for economic reasons. So he wanted to punish uh, the colonists, but not too harshly, just kind of like a slap on the wrist is the way that was portrayed in the show, and I think that's probably fair, uh, but... They do an interesting thing early on, and I know this did happen, where they were writing each other back and forth, and they're trying to get Washington to surrender, and one of the things that they addressed him as was, like, Mr. Washington, or something like that, or just Washington, and then... Washington wouldn't even touch like he just wouldn't open the letters because it was not addressed to his excellency general because that was the standard for the time period to address a general you know as of their rank and just putting Mr. Washington uh, showed that they didn't recognize him in his military authority during the time period it was kind of like you're not a real general and Washington saying address me as his excellency general or your excellency general I, unless I'll accept it then and if you don't do that I will not accept the letter so he just kept denying and denying and denying uh, letters I think it was two in total and then the British I believe sent uh, a messenger to deliver the uh, proposition in person and Washington refused so they go through the uh, campaign through New York City and I think they handled that pretty well. They do mention Washington's temper, which Washington did have a temper. He kept it under control for the most part, but you would not want to be in the same room with him if he let loose. He was... He had a temper. <laughs> uh, so they go through that, and they go through some of the early stages of the war. They eventually bring in uh, Marquis de Lafayette, which I'm happy they showed him, though I think they could have showed Lafayette a bit more than they did. And they also show uh, General Benedict Arnold. And they there is one inaccuracy they do show. They uh, cover briefly the battle, the battle of Saratoga. And it's a very funny thing. And if you go back and watch, you'll notice this too. I believe, it, yes, it did happen in this episode. Benedict Arnold is saying, give the British no quarter. I'm not actually sure if he gave that order, but... If he did, okay, fair enough that they had him uh, show, show that on the episode. But the interesting thing is, at one point, Benedict Arnold orders his men to charge the British. He says, charge, 
but I'm confused why he is charging the British, especially when his, he didn't order his troops to fix bayonets. That's an inaccuracy. You just see these people fighting each other. They rush each other. The, the American lines rush the British, and they just kind of fight like... I don't even know what the heck they're doing, honestly. I've never really... It's pretty bad. But uh, they did not order the men to fix bayonets which if you were going to do a charge you would order them to fix bayonets that's just pretty standard across everywhere so that is one historical inaccuracy that i did catch um i think that was they showed uh yeah benedict arnold his relationship with washington a little bit i believe in this episode and yeah, they were, Washington did understand the man's talents. They go over. Oh, what else did? Oh yeah, uh, the British capturing Philadelphia. They thought that they it would kind of cripple the Americans, the American side. Uh, like if they take if we take over their capital, they'll crumble. But we didn't, obviously. Uh, eventually, Philadelphia is taken back. And they go a little bit outside of Washington. Just it, it helps give some context for what's happening around. Um, some of the acting, though, by the actors. I mean, they're fine, but they're it's a little cheesy. It's they didn't get too into character, and I think they could have. The main actor who plays Washington, I think, got into Washington the most because he's playing George Washington, the main character of the this series Washington so he got used to his character but not everyone else seemed to embody their character the acting could have they could have used a couple more rehearsals in some scenes I think uh, they go over uh, crossing the Delaware uh, Trenton which Trenton was handled pretty well and they just showed like the state of the men i think it was either this episode or the next one where they talk about valley forge it's addressed how brutal it was but they could have done more at valley forge than they did in the series they yeah they could have really done more with valley forge Okay, so I'm going to end the part for episode two, and we're going to get into episode three right now. All right, getting into the last part of this series of Washington. Uh, episode three is titled Father of His Country. It premiered on February 18th, 2020. is one hour, 26 minutes, and one second long. Here's the synopsis from history.com. The revolution has been won, but for Washington, the problems, even within his own army, are just beginning. With the fate of the young republic at stake, Washington once again rises to the moment, uh, becoming the inevitable of the reluctant hero his country needs. 
Having evolved from soldier to commander to victor, Washington does what no revolutionary leader has ever done before. He wills the powers to the people. While warring nations attack America's borders and uprisings threaten from within, Washington builds the new, na the new United States up with uh, his bare hands, enduring treachery and personal attacks while setting the country on a course that still dictates much of the American experience to this day. So the episode kicks off with the end of the American Revolution and goes through the Battle of Yorktown, which I did like uh, the Battle of Yorktown, though it was they made it much smaller than it actually was. I've been to the battlefield, and it is huge. It's the show does no justice for the actual size of how big that battle was. That is, I will say that, that's completely inaccurate. Uh, though, what they do show, it's entertaining. I'll say that. Uh, they go through the surrender. Uh, Yorktown, Washington wins, hooray. And uh, American Revolution is over. Washington now wants to essentially just go home, retire, wash his hands clean of it. That's it. They skip forward many years of his life to the ratifying debates of the uh, Constitution. Well, the ratifying and, you know, the writing of the Constitution. And uh, I think they should have gone over some of washington's business practices a bit i think that would have been more fair to especially well i mean i'm a little biased i just finished reading a book on washington's business practices a while ago and that was a major part of his life outside of his military career was his daily business his actual farm which i i don't think gets enough attention in documentaries on washington just how much he actually cared about farm his farm he was he bought a lot of books on farming let's just say that and he tried ex many experiments for new techniques so i think his farming side needs a little more emphasis as well now that said <clears throat> uh where was I? oh yes uh the constitution um they have many people uh, talking about Washington from President Bill Clinton to uh, Colin Powell, who was a general and a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and a Secretary of State under President George W. Bush. I'm not getting into modern politics, so whether you like or, you know, uh, really like these guys, or really despise these guys, that's beyond the point. Uh, I believe it was Colin Powell, though, said something inaccurate, though I might have misheard him, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there, but in the case that I didn't mishear him, he did say an inaccuracy, which is kind of big in some regards. Uh, they're talking about writing the Constitution out, and he says, like, something to the effect of, like, the Hamiltons were there and the Jeffersons were there, and I'm thinking... Why are you saying that Jefferson was at the uh, meetings for the Constitution when he was ministered, ministered to France at the time and half a world away? And when he heard about the Constitution being written, he wasn't entirely happy about it. 
Um, Jeff Thomas Jefferson had no hand in uh, writing the Constitution. He there's a whole thing between well Alexander Hamilton was a big player for advocating the Constitution, and let's just say Jefferson and Hamilton never really got along at all, or it was rare. I'm a more of a Jefferson fan than I am of a Washington fan, historically. Um, I find Jefferson more interesting, personally. I've read more on Jefferson than Washington. But anyways, uh, that was just a little interesting inaccuracy, especially someone... Wasn't Thomas... Yeah, he was the first Secretary of State, wasn't he? Yeah, the first Secretary of State. So Colin Powell, who was the 65th Secretary of State, talking on the American Revolution, and George Washington claimed that, uh, from what I heard, though like I said, I could have misheard him, that Thomas Jefferson was there even though he was in France at the time. So it's, it's just a small thing, and I shouldn't make it a big deal, but I think it's kind of funny. It's like, okay, even if you misspoke, still, it's like the more you know, the more it's like you start picking up on the little things. Like, wait, no, he wasn't there. He was over there. So... Uh, anyways, so then they talk about George Washington becoming the president and how important that was. And there was one thing they did omit, and I have no idea why. Uh, they show George Washington, you know, like, Constitution has been ratified, he's been elected president. Though George Washington did not want to be, he did not want the job. He was basically just everyone trying to convince him to accept it, and he's like, I'll do it out of duty. But when they show him being sworn into office, they have him go through the oath of office. And the one thing that was interesting that they did not include in the scene, and I this is might have been intentional and could be considered historical revisionism, uh, was at the end of the oath of office, George Washington's George Washington says, "So help me God." Though that is not a part of the official oath, it is what he said at the end of his oath. And pretty much, I believe every president said it since because it was a tradition Washington started. Though the show omitted that part, and I, if you're doing a thing on Washington, I mean, you should know that he added that part at, to the end, which is not a part of the oath of the Constitution, true, but... It was something that George Washington said during the uh, when he swore into uh, the office of the presidency. Uh, I don't know, so I, I'm a little confused why they didn't include that part. Okay, so then they'll go into his presidency and they talk about how he has different uh, p. He um, wants different people in his cabinet. And he's like, okay, I'll give a couple people, they have some different views, and if you get a bunch of really, really intelligent people with different views, they can talk it out, and we can come up with a really good solution. Pretty sound plan, um, is what he was thinking. So they'll go between a little bit of the rivalry between Hamilton and Jefferson, 
the way they portrayed Jefferson in the show, I think, was a little more hostile than Jefferson was as a person. I mean, they only showed Jefferson in a couple scenes, but... Eh, I think the, the actor could have done better for Jefferson in some regard. The actor for Hamilton, however, I think did all right, actually. Um, Hamilton was very loyal to George Washington because they served together during the Revolution. And Washington, you know, they're friends. Uh, Washington kind of favored Hamilton in some regards. And he did agree with not all of Hamilton's policies, but he did agree with a good chunk of them. Though, I do like the show. Hamilton was a bit war-happy, and uh, there was a time when the United States almost went to war with France, and Hamilton was, yeah, a bit war-happy, a little too much for Washington's taste, so I, I like that they included that. Uh, they also go through the Whiskey Rebellion, which I think was handled all right from what I remember. Um, anything else? Yeah, they go through his second term, first term, second term, and by the end of his second term, Washington is just completely worn out from politics and war and everything. He's just done. So he's like, nope, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going home. Then they cover a bit of the end of his life, and they also cover his... Uh, his activity in slavery at the time, showing the good and the bad. The bad being, you know, he owned slaves and the treatment of slaves and the such and uh, the like, I should say. And the good that he freed his own slaves in his will. So it shows like an evolution of his beliefs in some regards. I mean, remember, he was a Southern Virginian plantation owner too. And his views did change over his lifetime, though that's a complete topic on itself. And uh, the series goes through the end of his life, his death, and they just do like a little epilogue. And I do like that they included his last words, "'Tis well." Think that I think that was handled pretty well. Um. So yeah, that brings us to the end of the Washington series. It's pretty, it's a basic overview of the life of George Washington. They could have handled some stuff better, but if you're just wanting something really basic to just trying to get into the history, it's not half bad. Uh, if you're like an in-depth Washington buff, you could probably uh, point out a lot of inaccuracies, I'm guessing. But anyways, overall, I think the show is decent acting-wise. They could have rehearsed a little more, done some stuff better. Um, some of the combat scenes and some of the stuff where they're showing the actual soldiers during the uh, American Revolution, some of that stuff wasn't as good as it could have been, and some of it was like, uh, no... 
I didn't go over everything here. I'm probably forgetting one or two things. But if you just want a general overview of George Washington's life, you'll probably like this. Oh my gosh, I just looked at the time. This is a 40-minute podcast. All right, so let's get into the outro because this is going on long enough. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening to my ramblings on the show Washington. Uh, yeah, if you like the show, please like and share, or share it, leave a review. It all helps. I'll try and get back into an actual scripted episode next week, but no promises. I got some family-related stuff coming up pretty soon, so I might not have time. So if there's, there's a small chance there will be no episode next week. And if there is no episode next week, it is due to some family-related uh, things, that uh, obligations I had that will take away from my time from writing. Anyways, uh, thanks for watching, or thanks for listening to this episode of the 18th Century Podcast. I've been your host, CJ, and thanks for watching.